Man, we're so glad that you're here as we continue in this series called You Were Born for This. It's a series on sharing our faith, and this has been one that has been helpful to me. I hope that it's been helpful to you. Our theme verse for this series is found in Matthew, and so we want to jump straight into our text, pick up where we've left off, and continue. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, And Jesus, somebody say Jesus. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then it says in verse 19, then he said to them, that is Jesus, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you, what does it say, fishers of men. Here's what he's teaching us. Followers are fishers. Those who follow Jesus care about what Jesus cares about. It doesn't even work. It doesn't flow together to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm just not going to go where he goes. I'm not going to do what he does. I'm not going to care about what he cares about, but I'm going to follow Jesus. That doesn't make sense. He says, when you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And as we've talked about this, uh, I, I know even me sharing part of my story that uh, I'm not much of a fisherman. Now, I asked last time how many of you did enjoy fishing. Now, I need a little more moral support this time. I'm going to ask it the other way. How many of you, you do not enjoy fishing? Wave at me. Come on, all the campuses, those watching online, you can vote. You don't enjoy fishing. I tried to like fishing. I really, really did. I mean, my dad's a great fisherman. I would call my dad the fish whisperer. I mean, he can just go and make the fish jump in the boat. Uh, I, I, I wish that I could do that, but I told you, every time I throw out a line, I'd get hung on something. Every time I'd go fishing, I'd get sunburned. I'd get eaten up by mosquitoes. I mean, no matter what it was, I always wanted it to work, but it never did. And here's what I've discovered. When you're not good at something, you don't enjoy doing it. If there's something you're not very good at doing, you try and do as little of that as possible. Can I get a witness with that? You would agree with that. And so when it comes to being a fisher of men or telling people about Jesus or sharing your faith, there would some would say, I'm just not good at it. I know I probably ought to do it. I wish I was better at it. But because I'm not, I'm just not interested in doing a whole lot of something that I'm not very good at doing. And some of you maybe have, have friends or, or people in your small group or those that you look at them and say, they're just good at it. They're like a, like a fish whisperer. I mean, they're just, when it comes to telling people about Jesus, this is so easy and so natural. And then you go, and then there's me. Uh, some of you would even take it a step further and say, when it comes to telling people about Jesus, you can't beat Pastor Herbert. He's the best. I'm just going to let him go ahead and keep on doing it. You know, I'm just going to cheer him on. You go, Pastor Herbert, as if we need to leave it to the professionals. I want you to listen, though, to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God. You are the ones chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, chosen to be God's instruments to do his work, and look at this, and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made in you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. 
He's saying this isn't just the responsibility of a pastor or a preacher, or this isn't just for those who are, who are more natural or their personality is just more outgoing and they're, they're better at conversations, and so we'll let them do all the talking about Jesus, but, but you're just kind of behind the scenes. He says, no, you were chosen for this. You were called for this. You were born for this. You are Christ's ambassador. As it says in Corinthians, as though God was making his appeal to the world, Through your life. And yet I get it that while I'm speaking truth right now, the reality is this can still be an intimidating subject. And so it kind of makes you wonder why. Why could it be so intimidating? Well, for one, because a lot of times we just feel like I'm not very good at this or I don't have all the answers. I still have so many questions myself. I don't know how I would answer others. Or I don't feel worthy to do this because I'm still working through my own issues. Who am I to talk to somebody about Jesus when I got so much stuff that I'm still working through on my own? Or, or, or maybe you're just looking at it just thinking, man, I've tried before and it didn't go well and I don't want to be in that position again. So I get it that there are reasons why this could be intimidating. But as we ramp up and come closer and closer to Easter weekend, as we've gone through this series, I really believe and I have this sense that God has been helping us as a church family. And I hope that you feel this way as well. But I just feel like we've been growing in our comfort level. We've been growing in our confidence, knowing that God can use us even as imperfect or as unqualified as we may feel. Well, I want to share a story with you, especially for those of you that just feel like, man, I just don't even know what to say. Uh, Where where would I even start? What would I do? I want to share a story with you out of the book of John, John chapter 9. And I'm not going to read the entire story, but you ought to mark down that reference, John chapter 9, because this is a story that would be worth you reading on your own time. It's a great one. It's a story about a man who was born blind. He was born blind, lived his life as a blind man. People in his community and all his surroundings, they knew him as the man who could not care for himself. He could not take care of himself. He'd have to get help from other people. But then as the story goes on, it says that Jesus came to this man. This man wanted to see. And it says that Jesus touched him and healed him and that the man was able to see. How many of you would say that's a little familiar? That's a little like your story, that before Jesus, Jesus, you lived in spiritual darkness, but when Jesus came into your light, he opened your eyes. How many of you that you would say that's your story? For this guy, he was born blind, lived his life as a blind man. Jesus heals him, and now he can see. And what's really, really interesting is that this man goes back to his, to his hometown and goes back to where he would have friends and family who should know him. And it said that people responded this way. And this cracks me up. It says that, that people looked in and said, man. That looks a whole lot like our friend so-and-so, the blind man. Huh, isn't that interesting? And others are like, yeah, it sure does, but it can't be him because that guy can see. Instead of looking at him and seeing his miracle, they looked at it and thought it was so impossible that they must have thought, that they thought they must be mistaking him for someone else. And the scripture goes on to say that he started telling them, no, it's me. It's me. And they're like, no, you're not you. No, no, me, me. I'm me. No, it can't be you because you're blind. And he said, I'm I'm not blind anymore. I was was healed. And what happens in this story is that they start just like uh, badgering him with questions. 
You can imagine there would be curiosity because you got to know that as a follower of Jesus, one who's been changed by Jesus, is that it's natural that people go, I don't recognize you anymore. That would be normal for people to go, huh, you're not acting like you used to act. You're not talking like you used to talk. You, you, you seem different. That would be normal. And so for this guy, in this case, he started getting all of these questions. Now, I pulled some questions out of this story. And I just I want them to come up on the screen. And you can look at them. But I want you to put yourself in this dude's uh, shoes here as he's going. He's like, he's like, no, it's me and I can see. And imagine what he feel, felt when they started saying these things to him. Look at verse 10. Here's Here's the first question. They asked him, how were your eyes open? They're like, wait a minute, you used to be blind, but now you can see. How could this be? And then it says in verse 12, because he responded and said, well, this man, Jesus, he healed me. So in verse 12, they say, where is this man? And he probably looked to the left, looked to the right, and said, I don't know, man. He is here a minute ago, but I'm just telling you, he's real. Like, he's legit. Like, he knows what's up. This is like a, a real thing. It says in verse 16, they asked him, how can a sinner perform a miracle? You're like, man, how did they get there? How did they get to calling Jesus a sinner? Like, how did it go from, uh, how did this happen? Jesus healed me. Where is he? I can't find him. He's a sinner. Like, how do you get to that? Here's why they said that. Because these religious leaders were bothered. They were bothered. They were bothered because Jesus healed the blind man on the Sabbath. And maybe some of the reason why you've been hesitant to share your faith is because when you're talking about God or the things of God, how many of you know that for a lot of people this is an emotionally charged topic in conversation? You know, some of you don't want to talk about your faith because as you've done that in the past, somebody resists it and they're like, I don't want to talk about that. Not only do they not want to talk to you about it, they don't even want you to talk to them about it. And so there's been tension or frustration. Some even dogmatic, argumentative. Maybe you're just trying to tell somebody about Jesus and they wanted to turn it into a fight. Did you know that people can respond a lot of different ways? And, and for this story here with this guy, some were like, how did it happen? Jesus touched me. Where's Jesus? I don't know. How could a sinner perform a miracle? Because he sinned by working on the Sabbath. Isn't this something? Some people can be staring at a miracle, but they're so concerned with justifying their own sin, they're not interested in celebrating the life that you're talking about. They just want to argue a point. Isn't that something? But for this guy, I love the way he walks through this because it gives hope to us no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in when we're trying to share. So they, they go on, and in verse 17, after saying, how can a sinner perform a miracle? Now they say in verse 17, what do you have to say about him? So they're like, here's what we say. He's a sinner. What do you have to say about him? So just now think about all these questions. Here he is like, hey, check it out. I can see. And they're like, how can you see? How are your eyes open? Where is this man? How can a sinner perform a miracle? What do you have to say about him? It's just like, man, interrogation. He's like, I just can see. Now this is what's crazy. Is I love his response to all of these questions. And I want to show it to you. Verse 25, the man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, 
I once was blind, but now I see. Don't you love that response? Because, see, the enemy wants us to get all hung up on all these questions. People saying, well, what about this? What about how they get all those animals in the boat? Anyway, that doesn't even be like, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. How could, how could Jonah survive in a fish like that? How, I don't know. That's a great question. Why don't you come on with me to heaven, and when we get there, we'll ask them together. I don't know. I don't know. What about the red horse in Revelation? I don't know. 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 But here's what I know. Before I met Jesus, this is where my life was heading. Since I met Jesus, this is how he's blessed my life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Let me just give you this thought here. Don't allow what you don't understand about God to keep you from sharing what you do. Don't allow what you don't know or don't understand about God to keep you from sharing what you have experienced firsthand. This is what Jesus did for me. This is how God has changed me. This is how God has helped me. This is how God has comforted me. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But here's what I know. Don't allow what you don't know to keep you from sharing what you do know. A lot of times we don't say what we should say out of fear of what we don't know what to say. And so that's why I'm going to give you maybe two of the most practical points or pieces just of of biblical encouragement on sharing your faith of any message that you could imagine because you know we've talked about as we open the series the the biblical mandate and theological understanding if you will of why we're supposed to share our faith and and then we've even looked at what it means to uh like build a bridge to someone's heart you remember I I talked about like how you need to uh, take a a box of of Krispy Kreme donuts to work right we talked about getting somebody's Starbucks you know we talked about telling someone that you're going to pray for them when they're going through something that's difficult we've talked about meeting them at a point of need but I realize that if you're listening to this and as you're progressing with us some of you may get to the point it's like hey I handed them the donuts great then what I, I didn't know what else to say I just ran and walked off you're like what do I say what do I say after I build a bridge to their heart and I'm being kind what should I say so I'm going to give you two very very simple the first one I'll spend a little bit more time on the second one it's just a quick hit just to drive it home and we're going to be done if you're taking notes you can write this down what do you say number one you say this come and see come and see. It's not complicated. It's not complex. It's not sophisticated. And, and you may use different wording. You may, depending on your context, depending on your setting, who you're talking to, where you're talking to, what you may use different words. But the bottom line is, what do you say to someone that you're trying to introduce them to the hope of Jesus? You say, come and see. Now, I'm borrowing this verbiage from a couple of different scriptures that I'll show you right now. Psalm chapter 66, verse 5. The psalmist writes, Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. 
See, when you're inviting people to come and check out what God has done, you're saying, come and see. You're saying, look into my life. Let me show you. Let me tell you a story. Come in and just look at my journey. So Psalm 66 is one example. Let me give you another place, and this one's from Jesus himself. How many of you think that Jesus was a good fisherman? Come on, wave at me. You think Jesus was good? How many of you guys think if he modeled something, we ought to go, hmm, let's try it like that, right? If that's what Jesus did, let's give it a whirl. Here's what it did. It says in John chapter 1, Whenever Jesus showed up on the scene, the people had been waiting for a Messiah. They've been waiting for a deliverer. Jesus shows up. John the Baptist looks at him, recognizes, says, check it out. Behold, there's the Messiah. There he is. And it's talking about how some of the others who were there with John looked at him and they started following Jesus. Well, not in the sense of conversion or salvation or them going, I want to sign up for Christianity. The word wasn't even being used yet, right? They were just following Jesus because they're like, let's see what he's all about. I love this story because as they're following Jesus, it says Jesus stopped and turned and looked at them and said, what do you want? I love it, you know, because Jesus, Jesus, you know what they want. Okay, they want salvation. But anyway, he stopped and he turned around and says, what do you want? And what he's really meaning, he wasn't being sarcastic like, y'all stalking me? He, he wasn't saying it like that. What he was saying was, what is it that you're hoping for? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that you want? And it said that they responded to him and they said, we want to see where you're going. We want to know where you're going. We want to know what you're all about. We're following you because we want to learn about you. We want to see where you're going. We want to know where you're staying. We want to follow you. And I love Jesus' response to that because every one of us are right here. Every one of us. People who aren't even in a church today are going, I'm looking for something. I'm hoping for something. I'm hungry for something. The devil kind of continues to try and distract. It's over here. It's over there. And it's not. Those things keep leaving me broken or more empty or more devastated. I'm looking. And people who are looking for Jesus who don't even know that they're looking for Jesus. Some at least know I've heard about Jesus. But what they're looking for is hope. And here's what Jesus said. He did not give them this theological dissertation. Jesus, we want to know where you're going. First, you must understand where I've been. In a galaxy far, far away. He didn't say, I left the splendor and the glory and the perfection of heaven to come to this sin-cursed earth to save a wretched soul like you. He didn't say that. Look at what it says in John chapter 1, verse 39. They said, we want to know, we want to follow, we want to understand. It says, Jesus said to them, look, come and you will see. What he's saying to them is the same thing he wants us to say as we become followers who are fishers is is invite people to come and see what? Come and see what Jesus has done for me and come and see what Jesus can do for you. Inviting them to see what can happen when they surrender their hearts to Christ. Inviting them with a clear presentation of who Jesus is. Not just adding Jesus to the mix, but turning your heart and your life over to him. This is so natural because we're used to sharing We love sharing things. We love sharing experiences. You can be watching the same thing sitting side by side with someone, and and somebody can say something that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny? And you'll turn once somebody else goes, yeah, that is funny, because it's just shared. You can be watching the same game. Somebody makes a shot, you go, yeah, and you turn and you go, did you see that? Did you see that? 
Yes, I'm watching the same game that you're watching. But we're doing that because we like sharing experiences. Just jump on Instagram. People will share what they just ate. Like anybody cares. They took a picture. Mm. Hashtag delicious. And you're like, okay. Congratulations. Some people take a picture. This is what I'm about. I'm just sharing what I'm about to eat. Sharing. I'll share what I wish I was eating. Sharing. This is what I'm going to wear. This is what I wish I, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm about to think right now. I mean, just share, share, share. And then it comes to sharing about Jesus. And this is what's so weird. It should be most natural. I mean, think about this just for a moment, how unnatural this is. Man, I have found, I have found uh, real life. I have found eternal life. Man, I have peace in my soul. But I ain't telling you where I found it. I mean, that's just weird. It doesn't even add up. Man, I found hope. I found joy. Good luck finding it on your own. I won't even give you hints. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. When you find something as significant, as important as eternal life, it's only natural that you'd be like, hey, you gotta come and see. you gotta check this out. It's so natural, it's so normal. Followers are fishers. And can I just tell you, that's exactly what you're doing when you're inviting someone to Easter weekend? Is what you're saying is, you're saying, hey, you gotta come and check this out, come and see. You're going to love this. You tell them about what's going to be happening with Easterland and for the kids. You're saying, come and see. You're going to love this. Or you're telling people like, man, there have been some pretty amazing things happen in the life of just the people who call People's Church their home. They're going to be telling some stories on Easter Sunday about life change and some things that will make you say, wow, dude, you got to come and see this. See, everything that we're doing as we're praying and preparing for Easter weekend is to give you that platform for you to invite a friend to say, come and see. And when you're saying that, it's a challenge to come, check it out. It's an appeal to say, see if what would happen if you open your heart to see what God can do if you let him come and see. Let me give you the second point. We're going to go from very practical to very, very super practical, okay? And I'll explain what I mean. Now, point number one is come and see. Point number two is sit with me, all right? Just write that one down. Point one, come and see. Point number two, sit with me. And here's the point of this one. My point is to challenge you to take it a step further and help them to move beyond curiosity to a specific plan of actually coming. How many of you understand that it can be very, very intimidating to go to a place you've never been before, surrounded by lots of people you've never met before, and sometimes we think that we've done enough if we'll just throw out an invitation, which is a wonderful starting point, but to move beyond that to a place of actually saying, here's where we meet, here's when we meet. Here's what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, I would be glad to meet you there. Why don't you sit with me? The, the, the thought is to challenge us to move beyond just taking donuts. The, the thought is to move beyond just saying, you ought to come and see and check it out sometime. It's actually to a move to a place to say, hey, if you decide that you'd like to go, I'd love for you to be my guest Hey, here's an actual Easter invite card. This is, this is something that has the times. This is something that has the, the information, the web address. Wanted to give that to you. And, 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 and as a matter of fact, depending on what works best for your schedule, I can meet you at the door 
And why don't we get there about 20 minutes before it starts, and I will help you get your kids checked in the kids' area. Oh, they're going to have so much fun. They're going to be doing these games. They're going to be doing activities. They're going to be doing prizes and giveaways. It's going to be so much activity. Why don't we meet at this time, at this place? We will get the kids checked in, and then you can come and sit with me. Now, for those of you that are hardcore, I mean, you really, really love Jesus. This isn't for everybody. Okay, so it's from some of you that you're like, yeah, I kind of love Jesus. This isn't for you. But for those of you that are like, oh, I really love Jesus, you may even go this far. This is crazy. But you may say, as a matter of fact, why don't you come be my guest, and after it's over, I'll take you to lunch. Now, listen, before you start hyperventilating, I know some of you are like, what? Take them and pay for them? Listen, you don't know. How God may use you with a simple invite, practically speaking, come and sit with me. As I say that, there are some of you who are like, but man, what if they say no? My question is, what if they say yes? Do you mean to suggest that there could be somebody who actually goes to heaven instead of hell for all of eternity simply because I said, come and see and Sit with me? Mm-hmm. I really, really do. Man, when I was in Bible college, I, uh, I, I had a class on personal evangelism, and uh, they actually taught you how to share your faith, right? How they, like, you had to, like, take notes, you know, on, okay, that's how you share your, okay, that's how you witness. And then as an assignment, we had to actually go out and witness, which is hilarious because that's very natural. <laughs> Not at all. So anyway, what they're basically saying is just go out and find somebody to talk to. So it's like, hey. Uh, do you want to know Jesus? Like, I got this class thing I have to do. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird. It's just unnatural. So it's the exact opposite of what I'm sharing with you today. What this whole series is about is you're called to this. You're born for this. It says relational saying, come and see and come with me. But on this particular deal, hey, I want you to go and share your faith. These are the things that you need to walk down through and checking off the list. Okay, have you ever? Okay. And then this, you know, it's just, it's just weird. It's just unnatural. God can use street evangelism. God can use you in all kinds of ways. But we're really challenged to say, come and see, sit with me. So we go out, and we went to the strip, you know, to where the, the, the hangout is, you know, where everybody rides up and down, you're blaring music, you know, making them deaf and up and down, and then you get to the other end, turn around and come back, you know, it's the same cars passing. You know, every, every city has one. So we went to that place, and we are hanging out. We were scared out of our minds, like, okay, we're going to, oh, God, Lord, send us, send us some sinners, God, some nasty, rotten, bad ones, Lord. Those who are going to the darkest of hell, Lord, send us as lights, Lord. Help us, save us, God. Protect us, Lord. So this car pulls up, and, and these three people, according to our observations, you know, they, they had the music, they had the look, they had smoke coming out, and they were drinking on something like, there they are, yes, 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 there they are. So they pulled up and they stopped. And so I went to the passenger side. My friend went around to the driver's side. There's another dude in the back. So I, I started talking. I was like, hey, man, we were just wondering if I could take a minute to talk to you uh, about God. He's like, but what? He's sitting there holding his drink. You know, I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And uh, how you been? And he's like, well, I just got out of jail. And I'm like, for what? You know, I, I'm looking forward to going to heaven, but I wasn't planning to go tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like. What you in for? What you out for? You know, did you break out? Did you get out? Like, I just need a little more information. So anyway, I started talking to him. 
And my friend went around on the driver's side, my friend from the deep south, and he just was kind of a country boy preacher. And he's like, let me tell you something, man. Jesus loves you. He loves you a lot. And let me tell you something else. You know? So he's just going, well, the third guy in the back seat, he had just had a, he was, in, so he was like, he was not welcoming, you know, in that moment. And so he was like saying stuff to us and calling us names and using profanity, like, get out of here, you beep, beep, beep. And I was like, man, I don't know what that means, but that hurts. That was not nice right there. So he was against us. Well, my friend on the other side starts getting more and more bold, you know, and, and courageous as he's talking. He's like, and let me tell you something else, friend. Jesus will always be there for you. But that dude in the back seat, he ain't always going to be there for you. And I was like, hey, you crossed the line there, man. That's all on you. I wouldn't have said anything like that. Well, it didn't just bother me. It really bothered the dude in the back seat. He starts getting out of the car going, you beep, 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 beep. I'm going to move. And so he's coming out, and I'm like, man, hey. I ain't even with him. I don't know him. You know, I didn't say any of that. And so I'm sitting there thinking, like, what do you do? Like, seriously. Like, what do you do in a situation like that? Do you just take off running, quoting scripture, you know? God loves you. You don't run. Uh, do you kind of take one for Jesus? Lord, this is for you. Like, what do you do? Because you can't really, like, fight, you know, like, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd heal him, Lord, from what I just did. You can't even fight. So your options are limited. Your options are limited. So uh, so this dude's getting out, like my friend, and I'm just like, what's going to happen? Well, the driver of the car gets out, and he grabs his own friend and pushes him up against the car. And he goes, hey, leave him alone, man. I want to hear more about Jesus. And when he did that, I was like, yeah, boy, sit back. What's wrong with you? We're talking about Jesus. All of a sudden, got a little tougher, you know. The whole reason I tell that story is because whenever you're thinking of come and see and sit with me, you immediately go to, well, how will they respond? Probably just like that situation, one of three ways. One's going to say, no. One may say, yes, I want to hear more. And then maybe you have the third, like the one I was, he was warming up to it, but not quite there yet. You may talk to someone and they say, no, I don't want to go. Awesome. If you ever change your man mind, I'd love for you to come. God, it's going to be awesome. Another person may say, yeah, I'm in. Another person may say, I, I don't know. Maybe so. I'll give it some thought. We have to leave the results to Jesus. None of us are Jesus. We're just supposed to represent Jesus. How do you do it? What do you say? It's not hard. Don't let the devil throw a bunch of questions at you. What about the animals in the ark? What about the, what about the, what about, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But this is what I know. That's what it did with me. Come and see. Be my guest. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me bring you to a place that's going to blow your mind when you hear some pretty amazing stories. As we get ready to pray, would you just ask, God, help me to be a come and see, sit with me representative for you this Easter season. Come on, let's pray together.